Welcome to Faithful Doubt. My name is Jordan. Today we have a special episode where I'm going to have a conversation with a special guest. Today we have a special guest, Pastor Art DeBrine of Center Grove Church. And Pastor Art is actually the lead pastor of the church that I work at as the youth pastor. So we have a pretty good uh, relationship, friendship, known Pastor Art for seven years now. And uh, you have an interesting story that I thought would be a good conversation to have today. So we're going to ask, I'm going to ask a couple questions and let you kind of take over and just explain. Just riff on my own. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the first question I have today um, for you, growing up, uh, you weren't a Christian until, was it your late 30s? Age 36. 36. So for half your life, over half your life, right? Yes. You're still a young man. So yes. 61. <laughs> for over half your life, you weren't a Christian. And uh, I wanted to kind of hear how you grew up uh, and what you thought of Christianity or God or faith. So, uh, first of all, I was uh, the youngest son of immigrant parents who came over from Europe. And um, you couldn't be in the when I lived in the 60s, you, you could not be in, not be in Christian culture. It was everywhere. So I have early memories. There was a church that was at the end of our street that I would go to as a kid. Um, and I think that church actually sponsored my parents' immigration. Uh, so I think they had some feeling of obligation to send their kids. My parents didn't go, but they just, at that time, they were like, kicked you out the door and sent you down the street. And one day I got up, I think I was in kindergarten, first grade, and I said, I don't feel like going to church today, Mom. And my mom said, okay, here's the deal. If you don't go today, you can't go again ever. And I was like, done. <laughs> and I, I stopped going at that. I don't, we never went at Christmas. We never went at Easter, any of that. And yet the whole neighborhood was Christian. It was an immigrant kind of community. And I didn't get into church again until uh, uh, middle school okay. when I got involved with a kind of a youth ministry thing that had a basketball team and I wanted to play basketball. Exactly. And so I got some exposure there, um, but that was it. And then in high school, some exposure to young life. Okay. And that was it. Um, and then not until I met my wife, Christy, um, after, uh, in college, um, did I start to then encounter it on a regular basis because she was a Christian. Hmm. So you did attend church when you were younger. Really young. Really young. But not in, again until about high school or even older than that? Not until my late 20s. So when you did attend, what was your takeaway? Because you weren't a Christian then, obviously. Right. So what what did you think of Christians or church in general? It was a lot of watching your watch. <laughs> I, I've heard people say it's like a, kind of like a zombie horde. Well, yeah, you just... Now, I, there were plenty of Christians in my life. I have surrogate parents who were Christians. I didn't go to church with them, but um, they talked about it and whatnot. And it wasn't necessarily you know, uh, conflict, but it was just something I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yes. And, and just, 
uh, wasn't interested in it, so I didn't pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. And I started to go with Christy because I was really attracted to this young woman. And I'm like, I, where you go, I'll go. <laughs> and um, so we started attending, uh, you know, in her faith tradition, which was Lutheran, uh, I would start to go. And I joke that I learned the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed long before I became a Christian. <laughs> Just because you have to repeat it all the time. Usually the opposite. You're right. <laughs> exactly. And it just became rote. And I knew when to stand up, when to sit down, all of that. Um, I think somewhere in there, I started to get a sense of God. You know, big God, not Jesus. Jesus was still a curse word for me. Um, and I remember one incident that I, uh, this was after college, was playing in a three-on-three three 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 basketball tournament. Mm -hmm. And I had to drive this rented RV up to the basketball site. And I was so excited. And I remember where I was driving, and I just suddenly blurted out, thank you, God, thank you. This is so cool. I'm so excited. And that was it. <laughs> I got a sense of it. And then, uh, again, got married to Christy and started to attend you know, church to honor her. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it was like, oh, can't we just sleep in? Like, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> or like you go and I'll just stay here or any excuse to get out of it, I would. Yeah. But um, I, yeah, I didn't have a real interest in it uh, at all. So you, your interest was in Christie, obviously, yes. which led you to church right. while you were married. But uh, you said earlier that you had Christians in your life, Christian friends, uh, family, when you engaged in a conversation with them about faith or anything, what was your takeaway? And if I recall correctly, you, I, th I think you've said before that actually you guys kind of made fun of Christians growing up. Oh, absolutely. In my immediate household growing up, mm. you know, long before I started engaging with other Christians, yeah, that was the favorite topic is, is to beat up on Christianity. And my dad was an avowed atheist. My mom was a lapsed Catholic. Mm. Um, and so we would get into arguments or discussions about stuff just to get into arguments and discussions. But that was favorite fodder of the, of the conversation. Mm. Um, so I didn't, I just thought they were, Christians were ignorant or uh, misguided. Okay. Did you, did you, did it cross your mind that Christianity or Christians were illogical or, you know, their faith was not based in anything real. Did that ever kind of enter your, your mind? Yeah, I, th I, I guess I would say they were deluding themselves mm -hmm. or, yeah. you know, they were just thinking in hopefully about something that was, it's like believing in Santa Claus or yeah. the Easter Bunny or right. anything else. It's, you're like, okay, if that gives you comfort, fine. It's nice. It's Right, it's I'm not, not gonna, I'm not gonna get really, angry about it that you believe in Santa Claus, but uh, by the way, it ain't real kind of thing. So yeah, that that was most of it. And, and then that slowly started to change, obviously, with exposure um, with Christy and her faith. Yeah. Uh, 
and I'm glad you said that because the next question I have for you is how difficult was it being married to a Christian while you were not a Christian yourself? Other than ruining my Sunday mornings, it, you know, <laughs> wasn't too bad. I mean, I would, I would use my time to, uh, when, when we would get into discussions, I would always what I call beat up Christy on the faith. I would ask her really illogical questions like, my favorite was like, you know, how, how do you account for the Spanish Inquisition kind of stuff? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, or the Crusades. Or right. So, you know, all that kind of stuff, all the bad marks in the Christian history uh, that I was aware of. But even that awareness was nominal. So yeah. Um, it, it was a way of deflecting and, and trying to keep that earnest conversation at arm's length. It was so I'm, I was constantly deflecting away. And, you know, then we started having daughters and she wanted to, you know, pray before every meal. And it was like, oh, okay, you know, I, I'll just go along to get along. But th there, yeah. It, it, I would literally drop the girls off for Sunday school and then go drive around. Wow. So, and you have three, three daughters. Right. And so do all three of them remember a time when you weren't a Christian or? Only the oldest. Only the oldest, Allie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what were your major, being this podcast is called Faithful Doubt, what was your major, what were your major doubts about Christianity or God? Well, m most of it was just rooted in ignorance, mm -hmm. you know, lack of exposure, lack of investigation or any kind of searching in it, any kind of uh, really trying to understand it at all. Um, so I didn't have interest in it and I wasn't going to devote any of my uh, attention to it as a, again, as a way of just trying to deflect being challenged by it. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't want to uh, expend the energy for it, basically. I was trying to conserve my energy, I think. So I just was skirting around it constantly. Mm -hmm. it, it, it obviously changed. I mean, I became a Christian. <laughs> right. Um, and you were, I think it's important to say, I forgot to say this at the beginning, but you were a lawyer uh, until you be well you were a lawyer and a christian at one point but right most of it so we got married in 1987 1990 i graduated law school and became an attorney and then um march 16th 1997 i was baptized okay uh big question what was the what was the catalyst or the turning point that god finally Work on yeah. your heart. Yeah, that's that's the that's the crux of it, isn't yeah. it? Um, it became well. How do I say this? The it was a realization that I was turning into the one person I vowed I would never be, or the character mm. of a person I vowed I would never be, um, which is represented by my father, a very uh, selfish, inwardly focused, I'm gonna do what I wanna do person. And I started to uh, 
I almost wrecked my marriage over that. And it was a wake-up call because Christy said to me in a very gentle way, because I realized I had screwed up my marriage, that I was on the verge of losing it all. And it was a crisis. And so I went to Christy and asked for reconciliation. I'm like, what do we have to do to fix this? How do we recover? Um, because I'm in the wrong. I, I woke up not on any particular morning, but it was a, an awakening of like, ah, oh, crud. I became the one person I didn't want to become. How did I end up here? Yeah. And I'm on the verge of losing one of the most beautiful things that I've ever had in my life, which is my wife. And um, so I went to her and I said, how do we recover? How do, how do I make this better? How do we reconcile? And I really appreciated her answer because it wasn't, you have to be a Christian. <laughs> she said, you need to investigate the faith. Hmm in a serious way, yeah. um, because I can't live on two different value systems. We have to, I feel like we have to be on the same value system. And you ask questions I can't answer, but so I, I just need you to go get those answers. Um, which was really surprising to me in some ways. Hmm. I think uh, even now that was an expression of love yeah. rather than, how do you make it better? Oh, let me whip out this list. Which know? is probably what I would have done. <laughs> you're gonna start picking up your socks, you're gonna, you know, all yeah. of this stuff. It, and, and it was, you know, the, the, the separation between us had gotten uh, very fundamental, uh, very, uh, with the essentials. It wasn't the annoying things. It was at the heart of our relationship. And so I was like, Wow. And so I said in response to her, I can't do it at the church we're attending, which was this very conservative Lutheran church that had, you know, very uh, traditional rituals in the worship service. And she said, wow, okay, let's find a different church. And that led to a church where she had been going to uh, for a women's Bible study that was real close to our house. And I walked in and I just looked at her and I said, this is it. <laughs> she said, we're going to keep shopping. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but we looked around and we ended up back there. And that was the church that uh, eventually um, where I was baptized and where I served as a youth pastor. But the, so we started attending and no pressure from her. She's like, oh, okay. You know, does require we go on Sundays. I'm like, okay, I'm in. Let's do this. And I started paying attention. And I remember one incident where they were passing communion. And um, I hadn't given my life to Christ yet. And so they, I took the bread and the cup. And she's like, you can't do that. <laughs> it's the first time she said, you know, you can't yeah. to me in faith. And I'm like, what? And she goes, you don't understand what you're doing. Mm. And I'm, I got so mad. I was so mad. I went, and I walked out. <laughs> uh, and she, like, she was very gentle with me on that. But um, anyway, so finally, after attending for regularly for a year, they asked if uh, we'd go through a new members class. And I said, 
yeah, let's do that. And I thought I'd get all my answers and to all my questions. And I don't know if they didn't give them or I just didn't hear them, but at the end of it, I didn't feel like I had my answers. Mm. And so now I'm talking to God. Jesus is still a curse word. <laughs> um, and I'm driving into uh, work one morning on the week we had to come back that Sunday and give him an answer. And I just started talking to God. And I said, hmm, I don't know what to do. It feels disingenuous. Yeah. You know, I don't have my answers yet. I don't know what to do. And uh, this is an emotional moment, but I said, I give up. What do you want me to do? <sighs> Started crying. I'm surprised I didn't crash my car. Like if anybody saw me pass by, they're like, what is up with that dude? Um, I mean, just waterfalls. But I knew I had my answer. So I went back that Sunday and I said, I'm in. Hmm. I, you know, wow. I still don't know this guy, Jesus, but I'm in. Yeah. And uh, so they baptized me March 16, 1997. And, um, and then four years later, I find myself in seminary. <laughs> I'm asking my daughters, like, hey, tell me that Old Testament story. I have a test coming up. I have no idea what that's about. Anyway, uh, I, that's ahead of the story. So that was, that was the turning point of it. And it was just kind of a, a wading in or a jumping in. Mm -hmm. uh, and in hindsight, how I process all that is I wanted all this information. I wanted all, this, all these answers mm -hmm. from God. And God said, you got it backwards. Yeah. I'll give you the answers, but you have to jump in with me first. Mm. And because certainly I never wanted to be a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> and God's like, oh, okay, you jumped in. Okay, we're going to get to those answers now. Right. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, anyway, so that was the big step, yeah. That's how, that's, and, and that's the thing is it, it's a very subjective experience, mm. you know, like I, because it's faithful doubt, you're going to ask me about my doubts and I have doubts, but the, when I struggle with doubts, I go back to my, what I call touchstone moments when I know God was close and very real. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's not explainable but I can't turn my back on it. And it's hard to share with somebody else who's saying, hey, you just gotta have an experience like this and then everything right. will be okay. It doesn't, God doesn't work that way in my opinion. So it, it, to me, it's, uh, it's an, an openness to it. You just invite, just crack open the door a little bit if you're interested and the Holy Spirit will come. And, I think that's uh, how you get started on the journey. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that because the one of the things that I try to say in almost every video is, you know, uh, I think all of us want answers sure. to, to questions that we all have. Uh, but Jesus never says you're going to have all the answers. Well, and here's what I always like, like, okay, so what will the answer deliver for you? 
Right. Like, if you get an answer, yeah. does that change your life? Does that change your faith? Like, if I frequently ask people, if God writes your name in the sky, mm-hmm. like, whoever, I am real, is your life going to change? And most people are like, mm, probably not. Right. Before my dad died, I went back. I, I was estranged from him since high school. Uh, but I, I got challenged to go find him, and I did in 2010. And I asked him that very question. Mm-hmm. And he still you know, was firmly atheist. And I said, if God wrote your name in the sky, would it change? And he's like, that's, that's impossible. It can't happen. And I'm like, but if it did happen, no, it just will never happen. And I'm like, okay, you're just so hardened right, to it. Right. You aren't willing to consider that there are other realities or other possibilities. It's not a head problem, it's a heart problem. Well, there are so many people, like, you can't tell me I'm wrong because I know I'm right. Yeah. What do you do with that? Right. Well, and Jesus, all we have to do is look at the Gospels and 12 guys followed Jesus for three years and a lot of other people encountered Jesus and he did these amazing things like, you know, short of writing his, your name in this guy, he right. did miracles and, and said these amazing things and did give answers to a lot of people's questions and there were still a lot of people who didn't believe. And there was still Thomas. Right, yeah. Even his own disciple doubted. So uh, it's... Yeah, I, I always say I identify with Thomas. I, I, of the disciples, I was Thomas because I'm like... Until you see, you believe. And then so Jesus tells them, look and believe. Right. And then he says, but blessed are those who haven't seen and still believe. Mm -hmm. And when I give my testimony, people are like, oh, I wish I had that cool testimony. I'm like, that is no honor to me. That just shows what a knucklehead I was, how hardened heart I was, how I was much like my father, like, it doesn't exist. I refuse to accept it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then so God had to reveal himself to me in a, in a way, and I had two other experiences that confirmed that. Um, the, the heavenly host isn't like, oh, look, they're like, man, that dude is so dumb. You know how much we had to do to... And then I compare that to my wife who hasn't had those experiences and has such a strong faith. And I'm like, honey, they're celebrating you because you haven't seen and you still believe. So, you know, faith, faith is actually better celebrated when it doesn't have to rely on things like miracles or things like, you know, personal revelations like that. Um, I don't know that I agree that the heavenly host isn't celebrating your story. I think of the prodigal they, son. Uh, yes, uh, they're they're celebrating and they're like, could have been so much easier. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. I agree with that. But I, I think they're just. Yes. As, as Jesus as, leaves the ninety nine. Yeah. He goes after yeah. the one. And he picks them up gently. And he yeah. says, "You're a knucklehead, but I love you." <laughs> well, there, there's uh, so I've told you this before that I'm envious of your testimony. And I know you don't like that, but the reason is, I think there's a credibility that comes with uh, your story because for me growing up in the church and attending absolutely almost everything I can, and then I went straight to a Bible college, I think a lot of people look at me and probably think, oh, you've just kind of been brainwashed by your parents or your church. And so maybe they don't think I've thought about my faith very 
critically or logically, which is why I'm doing faithful doubt, of course. But so I think there's a certain credibility that comes with someone who spent over half their life not just doubting, but I mean, you had, and Thomas had unbelief. You also had unbelief. It wasn't just doubt. You didn't believe. And so I think that's why a lot of people are envious of that kind of a testimony, because I, I think it speaks to some people more, which leads me to my next question. What do you, what, do, what would you have to say to people who might be in that spot you were in 25 years ago? I, I would say, um, see it as an invitation. Uh, you know my personal objection to the like fire and brimstone or the the insurance policy. Oh, just leave. You know, right. like if it's wrong, like right. what have you lost? And um, I, I I just say investigate it. Be open to it. Don't be so, that hard-hearted person that never wants to at least be. Uh, willing to consider there is a different possibility. Hmm. There is. There, again, I've had my moments where I'm like, man, what if this is all fake? What if, like, what if, what if somehow I had the wool pulled over my eyes? And I embrace those moments, right? I, I dwell in those moments. I don't just like, oh, that's sinful. I can't, yeah. right? So I'm like, okay, where is that coming from? What is at stake for me when I'm thinking at that? What maybe caused it? I investigate it. I see it as an invitation. Um, and then usually I'm led back to the faith. Uh, not usually, always. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, there, there is this leading back to it, and a lot of times it's just spurred on by remembering, recalling, yeah. like, okay, you remember when this happened? That had no explanation. Um, or do you remember when you just felt, in, in, again, a very sort of subjective way, the truth? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to be in that place of wondering, but I, if you dwell on it, see it as an invitation and invite the Lord into that invitation, I think you'll typically be led back into his presence. I like how you, you said you remembered or you recalled. That makes me think of the uh, Old Testament and the Israelites every time they strayed away from God and what they, what they were told to do is kind of remember what God has done for you. You know, he kind of led you out of Egypt. So, <laughs> and, and those are the touchstone moments, right? That, that, that where the infinite God crosses the barrier into the finite world, reveals himself in some way and says, okay, I've climbed into the fishbowl with you guys. Yeah. You know, here, I can't like exist here any more than we could climb into a fishbowl and live. Sure. Um, and yeah, so yes, those touchstone moments, mark the moment, as I say. I, I think you touched on, for a lot of people, it's probably terrifying the thought of even open, cracking the door open, as you said. It, well, it, it is terrifying. Yeah. It, I mean, there's no doubt about that. If you crack that open, your life will change. Well, you're, you're admitting the possibility of, of, of God existing when you do that. Well, it, even if, yeah. There are, yeah, there, there's just consequences to having faith. Yeah, sure. 
Well, you already kind of jumped ahead, but the, the last question I had was, what would you say to Christians who are struggling with doubts in their life? And you kind of already touched on that by saying, what would I say? Uh, like, welcome to the club. Yeah. Right. Well, I think there's a lot of Christians who, if they think if they do doubt that somehow that illegitimizes their faith. I, um, I would disagree. I don't think the biblical narrative supports that sort of uh, idea that we can't wrestle with our faith, that we can't um, wonder and question. We have a loving father who, uh, as a father myself, I'm always welcoming the questions of my daughters when they come to me. I'm like, hey, explain this again, or why did this happen? And all those sort of questions. Um, Faith isn't built on certainty. It's not. I mean, there are certain things that we talk about, you know, that, you know, Christ died for our sins and he was the only one who could. Yeah. And, and so he's the only one who can give us the, the uh, resurrected eternal life, who can save us from um, our broken state but there are a lot of things that yeah are still up for kind of wondering and grabs and and how does this work um why is it important so i if you're in that mode i just invite people to say hey investigate i had one high schooler who was really struggling uh, this is a long time ago when I was doing youth ministry, uh, long ago, who I knew her, she had a strong faith, and she came to me, and it was her junior year, and she lived actually uh, three houses down from us, and uh, said, I'm really struggling with faith, and she, she was trying so hard with both her practice, and, you know, she was just, and I just told her, I'm like, set it down and walk away. She was like, what? I'm like, put it down, give it a rest, walk away. See what life is like without it. Hmm. Trust enough that, that you can just walk away and, and stop striving so hard. Yeah. And she did. And she came back. I mean, it not, yeah. I, I think it was probably three years later. Wow. But I just felt... That was what was what needed to be said. So sometimes you actually do need to just maybe step away. Mm. And it's not like God's like, oh, we lost another one. <laughs> like, right. uh, I, I, God knew the prodigal son, right? God's the whole prodigal story is like, okay, you want your inheritance, okay. Yeah. See how that works for you. Right. And and let him go. And well. We, Christians say all the time a relation that their faith is like a relationship with Jesus, and it's not necessarily religion. You kind of hear that cliche statement all the time, and the reason I emphasize that so much is just what you're saying right now. Is in every relationship you wrestle, sure. At some point, uh, I think of a marriage. You might take a break, not not a break, but you might step away right. for for a temporary amount of time to to really struggle with what's going on, and then come back. So I think that's. A, that's a great answer. Um, that would have been hard for me to tell someone to walk away personally, but 
Maybe well, it is. I'm sure it sounds like it's what was necessary. So, well, it, again, I was trusting in the moment yeah. that what God was telling me is to say that. And so that's not a universal prescription. No, but again, that's a credit to your, your story. I think I, that, I've never experienced that. So uh, I don't know that I would have told a student that. Well, because that would be a, like an anathema to you. Yeah. You're like, step away from what? Are you crazy? <laughs> but uh, Tim Keller. Uh, in his book, A Reason for God, says that if we don't have doubts about our faith, that's like the human body without antibodies. You, you, you can't have that strong of a faith if you've never wrestled and doubted. And that doesn't mean that you don't believe that Jesus died for your sin. Or uh, it, it, the, the muscle is strengthened by being broken down first yeah. and then rebuilding back. Yeah. And it's the same way in the faith that you, you, I would never want anybody to just accept things on blind faith. Mm -hmm. Go wrestle with it, you know, grab a hold of it. But there are certainly things that you do have to accept blindly. I mean, God has all the answers to to the universe. I don't. Yeah. Even in that process of the things that we talk about that are fundamentals of the faith, uh, even I've wrestled with that and then come back and said, okay, this is a firm foundation. Yeah. Then you start getting off onto the, you know, the more abstract questions. Um, and there, there's a famous saying by Garrison Keillor that being an intellectual is like having four wheel drive. When you get stuck, it's in really remote places. <laughs> you've, you've really gone off the deep track, right? And you're like, oh, now I'm stuck. Well, because you went way out there. And again, that shouldn't be the core fundamental elements of the faith. Um, nor do I have a faith that says everybody has to agree like I do. Because we all experience the world differently. We all live in different parts of the world where it makes more sense one way versus the other. Um, so yeah, it it is a relationship. It's it's not capturing knowledge and and having it all on lockdown. Well, uh, thank you for. It's never easy to share one story. I don't think publicly in front of a camera, but thank you for sharing. It's been a pleasure. Everything you did, and uh, we will uh, continue this conversation on Facebook. If you have questions or comments about Pastor Art's story or uh, any of the questions I asked. Today, uh, feel free to go ahead and post those below. Again, my name is Jordan, and this was Pastor Art. We'll see you next time. Glory to God, right? Glory to God. That's what it's about. It's, 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 uh, I don't claim that as my own credit or my own sort of wisdom. Well, I guess you'll never, you'll just never be on this side of things because of your story, but. Well, uh, so here's, here's the flip side of that, yeah. right? There's a wake of destruction. Yes, absolutely. Right. And so my life has that wake of destruction yeah. behind it that, that, um, it's hard. Yeah. So, um, the hardest thing is, um, 
as a father telling a girl I got pregnant to get an abortion. Yeah. I carried that bag for a long time. Yeah. And that's the touchstone moment. That's when um, you know, Jesus shows up and he says, I have a covered. Didn't plan for that. Well, <laughs> I didn't plan for that. No, let, let, let me recover. I wasn't trying to be insensitive. No, 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 no. no. I, I mean, I wish I would have talked about that because that is the touchstone moment that I say a daughter because I'm only capable of producing daughters, apparently, after <laughs> so many tries. Um, not that I ever wanted a son um, because I was a son. Boys are crazy. Um, but to in that moment, I so I there was this time when I was asked to give my testimony at this church at where I was uh baptized, and it was the second time I was giving it. And the pastor, uh, Jim Zinger, had said he had been talking about the Ten Commandments and murder. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I'm giving my testimony on that day, but I am. And uh, I suddenly recalled that story like that's when I put my bag of rocks down and I told the uh, congregation that not realizing that Allie as a fourth grader fifth grader whatever she was had actually normally they're in Sunday school but that Sunday they came up and she was sitting in the balcony Mm -hmm. and she had to hear it that way you know and um, but it led to a great conversation about that. Yeah. And she's like, wow, you had a, you know, I had a sister, you know, that I never met. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. never got a chance. And so that's, that's why faith is important, yeah. is that you, you don't have that whole wake of what I call wake of destruction behind you as you go through life just living for yourself and like I don't care and you're crushing people and and just you know um, you're you're living without hope and you're not realizing the bigger world around you and um, and what God is calling us to mm-hmm. to live so I'm envious of your testimony well I have destruction in my past too not to the same degree but I think everyone has distraction. Well, it, it does, does right? right? But at least yours was a little more thoughtful, right? Perhaps. A little less minimal. I could, I could argue that it was the well, exact opposite. You didn't, you didn't know me then, right? You didn't. I didn't. No. And, and so that's one of those moments when faith becomes both real, and um, and you just not only real, but that it's a relief. That you don't have to carry that emotional baggage, um, that emotional pain, that emotional trauma. Um, so, yeah, that's all important stuff as well. That's uh, when I wrestle with the faith, that's where the, oh, I got to touch that again. Yeah. 
I hope you guys enjoyed this week's video. If you're interested in joining Faithful Doubt, go on over to our Facebook group page and request to join there. Or if you just want to watch our videos, feel free to go over to YouTube and watch them there. Or if you'd like to listen to a podcast, you can find Faithful Doubt on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Thanks for watching. I'll see you guys next time.